Ah, there you are. And welcome in again. That must be Wednesday. And it's another Stop Drinking Expert live stream. Uh, congratulations if you've made it back. Uh, I always think it's a great idea just to make sure you attend this every week. Uh, it's good for all of us. It's like our little kind of AA meeting, but it's online and it's cool. Hi, Victoria in Florida. Welcome, Kathy A. Uh, good morning. So happy to be here. We got uh, Virginia in Western Australia. And uh, my chat looks a little bit slow. I wonder if we have a problem with that. Do me a favor, just type a comment so I can see if it's working, because that uh, normally it looks a lot more active than that. Uh, Joni uh, says, good morning. Connor, also in Florida. Oh, so we, we're working. We're working. Uh, John Nolan, greetings from Ireland. We've got Kelly from New Jersey. Uh, okay. Uh, so here's the score. If you're new here, uh, this is an AMA. You can ask me anything. It doesn't even have to be about alcohol if you want, um, but it's probably better if it is. And uh, so it's, you know, if you've got questions about getting started on this journey or if you're already on the journey, but you're getting cravings or you're getting something that's concerning you, you've got obstacles and challenges, anything you want. Also, if you're sober and celebrating an anniversary, maybe you're one month, three months, three years sober, give yourself a mention here. We'll give you a big shout out and a big, a big uh, collective round of applause. Uh, I can see you all saying hello. Uh, I won't forget about you. I'm going to come back. Uh, you can post questions up now and I'll come back to them later. Um, not a great deal to share today. Um, just one little silly thing that I wanted to share with you. If you've done the course at stopdrinkingexpert.com or you've been to boot camp, you'll know that I kind of uh, ponder alcohol and how it came about. Because we, t we tend to put alcohol on a pedestal, don't we? we? We build it up to be something big. And the marketing says that it's sexy and it's, uh, you know, it makes you more sophisticated and it makes you more sociable and it makes you more likable. It's all BS, of course. Because what is alcohol? Think about it. What is alcohol really? Well, if you throw a load of vegetable massa into a bucket and you leave it there to rot, alcohol is the discharge from that rotting vegetable matter. Mmm, yum. And what I've often wondered is, who's the first human being that looked at that bucket of filth and went, I'm going to drink that? <laughs> How did how did we how did it ever begin? I often wonder who was the first person that looked at a cow in a field and went, "You see those others? I'm going to have a good go on those. I'm going to get me some milk, whatever that is." Strange, strange. Well, there's a there's a comedy website on YouTube that has been pondering the question of what it was like when the first bar was set up. Can you imagine a time before bars, before pubs? Can you imagine the first one that was set up? How would you pitch that to people? Well, this channel has had a go at that. Have a look, see what you think. Sponsored by Sheets and Giggles. More about them at the end of the sketch. Hi there, hello, welcome to this new thing that I'm starting. Hi there, what the heck? Is this place? I got a dirty little cloth rag over my shoulder. Right? Yeah, that's where where am I? Well, let me ask you something. Do you like slightly poisoning yourself? I dabble in slightly poisoning myself, sure. Well, great. Well, what if I told you this was a place where you could do that? I tell you, I already kind of do it everywhere. I have a bit of a poisoning myself problem, you could say. Oh, it sounds like you're the perfect kind of person for the thing I'm starting. I am? Yeah, see, what if I told you you could poison yourself here and it'll cost you a whole lot more 
than it would at home. I'd say that doesn't sound super good. What if I told you I'm gonna play music so loud you won't be able to carry a conversation? I'd say that's not a thing that I want. Okay, I'm gonna stop phrasing my questions like that because it seems like you're just seeing downsides here. Okay. Okay, starting over. So look, you're walking down the street, right? No, I'm not. In this imaginary scenario, you are. Oh, where am I going? I don't know. How do I look? Fine. Nice. Okay, so you're walking down the street. Looking fine. Yeah, and so you say to yourself, hmm... I could really go for some poison right about now. <laughs> that does sound like me. So you gotta go buy a bottle of poison from the store, bring it all the way home or to a park or something. That sounds like a whole thing, does it not? Am I right? That does sound like a thing, yeah. So what I'm offering you is you come here and I'll sell you poison and you drink it right here. But it'll cost more. Many times more, yeah. Can you can you do any better on the price? You know, now that you mention it, I can do a little better on the price. I can maybe mix a bit of water in with the poison and that'll be a much better price on my end. What? I'd make a lot more money, you'd be none the wiser. I feel like you shouldn't admit that to me. Oh yeah, pretend I didn't say that. Alright, so what do you think? I mean, so it's just a room where you poison yourself and it costs a lot of money? Well, no, I mean, I've got some other stuff. Like what? I got a toilet that never has been and never will be cleaned. Why are you raising your voice? I'm not cleaning it! Alright! That thing stays brown! That's super gross, but okay. I'm also gonna have a person standing behind a long counter and their job's gonna be to serve people poison and also to act actively ignore the people trying to buy poison. Those seem like a bad combination of tasks. I don't know about this whole place, man. Oh, did I mention every surface is gonna be sticky? You didn't, but that's not a positive for me. Really? I prefer when things aren't sticky, that's just a personal preference. Uh, okay, I feel like I'm not painting this picture for you properly. Okay. Okay, just try to imagine this, right? You're standing here, you got a glass of poison in your hand, there's music playing. Oh, that is incredibly loud. I told you, yeah, so you're drinking your poison, you're talking to somebody. This volume isn't conducive to conversations. What? It's too loud to talk. Okay, and also I forgot to mention you gotta picture this place full of sweaty strangers. Ugh. That's an important part of this too. So many sweaty strangers that you can't move around. And they're all gonna be drinking poison too, so they're gonna be intoxicated, belligerent. Is a fight gonna break out? Yes. <sighs> Dude, I don't I gotta be honest, this does not sound like a good idea. Some of the intoxicated people will be women. I'll take one glass of poison, please. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we'll put a link to his channel in the description, uh, so credit where it's due. Uh, you know, that, that always confused me, that us drinkers would say that we're very sociable. And yet we would go to a bar where they play the music so loud that it, having any sort of conversation is a struggle. It's, it, I never really understood that. It's crazy, isn't it? Lots of people here. Lots of good people turning up who deserve a hello. So let's have a look and see what we got. Uh, don't forget, you can fire up your questions anytime and I'll do my best to give you a half decent answer. Uh, so where do we get to? Ronnie is here. Good morning, Ronnie. O'Neill. Um, Good morning, all from Connecticut. 30 days over. Nice. Hola from Spain. Frank Angel. Elish. Uh, I can't say your surname. It's, it's too complicated for me. Uh, good morning, all. Uh, Dominic Farrell. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job, Craig. Thank you, Dominic. Appreciate that. Uh, Stinkaboo. Hello from Dewsbury. Um, I think I did some sort of driving course in Dewsbury. Um, my company sent me on a special advanced driving course, and I'm pretty sure it was in Dewsbury a long time ago. Um, Ecostar, good morning from Michigan. Uh, Kelvin from Nigeria, very good. Uh, Jules Mills is here, good morning, in Seattle area. 
Bet you thought I dropped out, huh? Nope, still sober. Good, good. Keep coming back, Jules. Um, Long White Con, back here four days today. Nice, good. Kobe Cat in East Texas, excellent. James Blue Tense is here. Uh, Steve W, is it Wednesday night already? Uh, for you, it is. It's four o'clock in the afternoon for me. Um, Scotty Riggs, coming up on two years soon, or because I accidentally stumbled on one of your videos. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and all I have. Didn't realize I had a problem until you were talking about me without actually saying my name. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Uh, and that, that's how the book actually became uh, popular. Uh, I wrote Alcohol Lied to Me um, after I kind of fixed my own problem, and I just kind of threw it out there thinking, ah, few people might read it. And I just went about my, you know, I was working in a radio station at the time. So I wrote that, threw it out there, and just went back to work. And slowly, slowly, people kept emailing me saying, you just described me exactly you described everything I do in that book. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'm not a weirdo. Maybe there are many millions of people trapped in the same loop as me. Um, who else we got? John Kelly. I drink once a week and get blackouts. Would you think I have a problem, Craig? John, it's, um, I'm guessing you're drinking a lot once a week, though. It's, you know, it's not... Uh, you know, a tin of beer once a week. Uh, you're having a binge session, I'm guessing. And look, the, the whether you have a problem with alcohol or not is not defined by how much you drink or how often you drink. It is defined by if it's making you miserable. So ask yourself this question, John. Does your drinking make you miserable? And I'm guessing the fact that you are here on a Stop Drinking YouTube channel, you, you know, you took time out of your day to go and Google, to go and search for this sort of content. I'm going to say that alcohol has become an unnatural element in your life. It's not like anything else. You know, there, there will be other things that you enjoy. You will have a favorite meal, a favorite soft drink, a favorite, you know, ice cream. And you maybe treat yourself to it every now and again, but it's not so prevalent in your life that it started to dominate your thinking. And so by that alone, that's, that's kind of like a series of red flags. But blacking out because of the quantity of the attractively packaged poison you're drinking is another huge red flag. So all I'll say this to you, John, is, is if you're currently unhappy about this thing that's happening to you weekly, unless you take action and address it, it's going to get worse. Because that's, that's what happens with alcohol. The problems never just get better on their own. Stepping into an alcohol problem is like stepping into quicksand. And initially, you know, when the sand's up to your ankles, you kind of feel safe. You've, even as though you're in quicksand, you're not particularly worried because you think, ah, you know, I could probably get out of this if I wanted to. But the longer you leave it, the deeper you sink. And that is exactly what alcohol is like. So, John, to you, I would strongly recommend... Uh, that you attend this Sunday's uh, free Quit Drinking Masterclass. Uh, dead easy to sign up for it. You just go to Google, go to stopdrinkingexpert.com, go to my website, and on the homepage here, you'll see it says Save My Spot. Click on that, and it will take you through to the webinar booking screen, and you have two options for this weekend, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m., all right? So I would strongly recommend you do that, and I'll talk you through the kind of 
truth behind alcohol and how the illusion is performed. Thank you very much for the comment. Though. Who else we got here? Um, Joe. Joe is in Los Angeles. Very good. Um, Karen. Karen Mark, 10 months. Oh, not sure why you're not coming back. There we go. 10 months alcohol-free. Fantastic. Um, I'm just missing a couple of people here. Jenny, good morning from North Carolina. Daily live videos are very helpful. Thank you, Craig, Jenny. You're welcome. Uh, Amy Fresh. Oh, Amy Free. Sorry. Uh, two years ago, I bought your course and it changed my life forever. Thank you, Craig, for all you do for the sober community. Excellent. Love it. Leslie. Leslie from Barry in Ontario. Very good. Uh, Karen's in the UK. Whereabouts in the UK are you from, Karen? Uh, Mick. Um, behind the darkest cloud, the sun is shining as bright as ever. <laughs> uh, you've been out cycling, have you, Mick? Oh, working on a roof. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very good. Mick is a bit of a legend in stop drinking expert circles. Um, if you start the course and then become a member of the secret Facebook group, you'll see a lot of me. He's very good. Uh, Rob Woods. Uh, hi, Craig. Still happy and sober in Liverpool. Uh, nearly four years now. Thanks again. Very good, Rob. Um, what else we got here? Joe, five months alcohol free, and it's due to your podcast, Craig. Listen to every single one. Very good. Um, and Steve says, well done to you, Joe. Fantastic. Uh, Jules, I cannot see the other comments. Jules, I'm guessing you can only see the comments that are being posted on Facebook. Um, we're, we're on multiple platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. So don't worry about it. They're probably on other platforms. Uh, RV Man is here from New York. Very good. Um, is it you or the missus that plays the piano? <laughs> my my wife is actually learning piano at the moment. Uh, she's getting a bit frustrated with it because my wife thinks she can she can do anything, yeah, you know. And uh, she's discovering that learning to play an instrument when you're 40 years old is not that easy. I can play one song on the piano. Richard Marks right here waiting. That's the only thing I can play. Um, hi, Jim. Jim in New York. Um, we've got uh, Paul in Airdrie. Very good. Welcome, Paul. I don't remember seeing you here before. Is this the first time? Uh, Surav. Um, look at Surav with his muscles out here. Come on, Surav. And a, and a six-pack on the go. You're making us all look bad. Uh, you influenced me to quit drinking, and thank you so much for that. I even started my own channel to sort of share my views on quitting addiction. Good. You know, that's, um, you know, that, learning this stuff to the point where you can teach other people is what I say that you need to do. You know, when you do the course, a lot of people will need to do the course many times over because you do the course once, you're going to remember like, I don't know, 20% of it. Do it 10 times you remember the whole thing. And if you do it 10 times, you'll know that knowledge so well that you are so well-versed in it, you can teach other people. And that's that's a really powerful place to be. Kathy A, 20 days alcohol-free. And you get a craving that is so overwhelming and powerful that you give in knowing full well what you're going to go through the next day. What do you do? Um, 
Okay. Well, there's, there's two questions there, really, I guess, Kathy. Um, obviously, the first thing to say is don't give in. And this is why, you know, in the course, I talk about the four things. And the, there are four things you have to do when you get a craving. And if you do the four things diligently, you won't drink. So the question is never whether you will drink or not. The question is always whether you're prepared to put the effort in and do the four things. And we're talking about doing, uh, you know, pattern interrupts and tapping therapy and things like that to break um, the routine that is trying to play out. So when you get those strong cravings to drink, Kathy, the chances are you've triggered a psychological anchor. Over decades, your subconscious mind has been watching your behavior around alcohol. And because it knows your conscious mind is so weak and pathetic that it can only do one or two things at a time, it's always looking for ways to take repetitive behavior off your conscious mind and make an automatic program. Yeah, This is how now you can probably drive your car from work to home and you don't remember any of the journey. You're not consciously going, okay, indicator, turn left, uh, I'll put it into gear, uh, or press the clutch down. You're not consciously doing it anymore. You are subconsciously doing it because your subconscious created a program, yeah? So with your drinking, same thing applies. Your subconscious has said, okay, when Kathy feels really stressed, she deals with it by drinking alcohol. And she's done this 5,000 times. Let's not bother thinking about it anymore. Let's create a program to make it automatic. So what you have to do is you have to prevent that program running. Because every time you prevent it running, it gets one quarter of a percent weaker. And every time you let it play, it gets, you know, 50% stronger. It's, 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 it's like that. So the first part of your question is don't let it happen. Use all the tools that you're available that are available to you to stop it happening if you relapse then don't make it into a big drama don't go on facebook saying oh i slipped again and back to day one oh how terrible let me tell you why i did it well i was having a terrible day and oh and this happened and someone crashed into my car and my boss is an asshole and don't look for sympathy don't go trying to justify what happened. You know, it only happened because my cat died. It, you know, that might be a very good reason, and it might get you a load of sympathy. But what price do you put on sympathy? What is it worth? What can you sell it for? Nothing. It's, it's worthless. So what's the point in having it? What's the point in having sympathy from people you don't know? It's got no value. You're wasting your time. And... Having a pity party about it doesn't, doesn't serve you. So if you drink, dust yourself down, dissect how the clown got you. What did he say? How did he get you this time so that you know the next time it happens, he's not going to get you in the same way. Dust yourself down and start again. And it's as simple as that. Don't, st don't think, well, I've drank now, so I might as well carry on, or, well, I obviously can't do this, or don't turn it into a bigger event than it needs to be. Just quietly dust yourself down. You tripped over, get back up, continue walking down the path you were on, is what I would say. Um, 
Hector, good morning for I'm from Tijuana, Mexico. Very good. Uh, Kelly, I'm leaving on a river cruise to Bordeaux this week. Very nice. I've requested non-alcohol beer and wine on the vessel. Any other tips? Uh, trip was planned in 2019, over nine months ago. Um, okay. So are you worried about this, Kelly? Are you worried about uh, drinking? Who are you going with? Are you going with your husband or partner? Are they drinking? Uh, give us a little bit more detail. Having options available is a good thing, um, but also uh, making sure that you plan your time as well so that you're not going to be sitting bored. Make sure that you plan lots of interesting things that you want to do. Um, what sort of cruise is it? What sort of facilities are on board? Can you find out if there are courses or things you can do? I know some of these cruises have quite extensive entertainment packages. Uh, you can, I mean, you can even do like fine art courses on these cruises sometimes. But pick something that's going to soak up a bit of your time so you're not sat there bored at any point. But give us a bit more detail. <laughs> um, Vicky Murray, hello from London. Which part of London, Vicky? Um, Surav, uh, it's been over six months. I'm sober. And it has now become my identity. I'm loving every bit of it. Perfect, Surav. That's how you do it. Owning sobriety is how you keep this alive in your daily consciousness. Quitting drinking is an event that happened in the past. You know, for me, quitting drinking is something that happened 12 years ago. I, you know, I, I can barely remember last week, never mind 12 years ago. So how do you keep it as something constant, something that's alive, something that you're always thinking about? Well, instead of, you know, quitting drinking, you fall in love with sobriety and you own it as a badge of honor. You know, that's why I walk around with, you know, alcohol light to me T-shirts on and uh, uh, rehab, mo uh, things like that. And sobriety established, you know, 2022. Um, because I don't want to hide it. I, I want to be proud of it. You know, it's a, something that's important in my life. Uh, Victoria, why do blackouts happen? Uh, well, you know, alcohol is an anesthetic and it interferes with your brain chemistry. And if you drink enough of it, it, it just it, it, that's just what happens in some people. Um, sometimes your body will, I think, will take you offline to kind of try and mop up the damage you've done as well. Uh, you know, I used to drink until I fell asleep. Uh, you know, that, that was my routine. I would get in from work and I would start drinking and I would get slowly and slowly more sleepy until I collapsed into bed about eight o'clock in the evening. You know, I used to go to bed before my children. And I think what alcohol would, you know, your, your, central nervous system would say, okay, we've got an emergency here. We, you know, this guy's been drinking poison all night. We really need to deal with this. Otherwise he's going to die. And so I think that it just shuts off different parts of your body so it can mop up all the damage you've done. Um, it shouldn't be a surprise really that, you know, blackouts happen because you, you're drinking, you know, vast quantities of poison. What do you expect to happen next? Unique challenges, 247. Had a really stressful day yesterday. I uh, almost wanted to slip up, but took some CBD to calm me down. Okay, yeah, whatever works. It's never worked for me that, you know. I've tried all sorts of CBD stuff. I can't notice any difference. 
But if it works for you, fantastic. Um, Steve W. Um, Kathy, I've learned to surf the urge. Give it 10 or 20 minutes. Do something else like food cravings. I found it passes. Yeah, he's right, Kathy. You know, a craving to drink alcohol is going to last about 7 to 10 seconds. Doesn't mean another one isn't going to come along, but they'll come in waves. But don't think, oh, I've got to respond to it. You know, just know that it will pass. Just distract yourself. Lee Views, hello from Rainy, Ontario. Very good. Um, Brad, Craig, since I stopped drinking, I realized alcohol was covering up my low confidence. How do you build confidence without alcohol? Great question, Brad. Um, <laughs> you build, you know, people say, oh, I haven't got, I've got low confidence, but they don't, they don't actually mean that because nobody is completely lacking confidence everywhere. You know, I don't know what you do for a living, Brad, but I bet in your job, you are confident because you know what you're doing. It may be that you're not so confident talking to strangers or talking to the opposite sex or something like that. So um, it's it's not quite right to say, oh, I, I don't have much confidence. You have, you know, situation-specific low confidence generally. And the way you get confidence in those areas where you are weak is to expose yourself to the thing you're afraid of repeatedly. Um, and I know that sounds terrifying, but it is kind of the only way, really. It's like, and, you know, you can prove it to yourself. If you're afraid of public speaking, then go public speaking. And after you've, you've spoken public a hundred times, how do you think you'll feel about public speaking? Do you think you'll still be scared of it? Or do you think it, it won't bother you at all? That's how you do it. That's, you know, I used to, when I, when my first marriage ended, um, I had no idea how to talk to women because I'd been with my ex-wife since I was 19 years old. I didn't know how to, to talk to other women. It was, it was, I was thought I'm going to be on my own for the rest of my life. And I did a lot of fear technology exposure training. So I would do the thing that I didn't want to do. I would go out in London and I'd spend two days talking to strangers I would talk to like 50, 60 people a day. I'd just walk up to strangers in London and ask them something, ask them about what they're wearing, ask them about what they're doing, where they've come from, tell them they look amazing, tell them this. And I did that. I hated it. I hated every second of it. It was horrible. I used to go to bed feeling like a complete idiot. But after a couple of days of doing that, talking to strangers was nothing to me. I could talk to anyone because I'd exposed myself to it. So that's unfortunately how you get confident is you expose yourself to the thing that you're afraid of. Um, you know, if, if you're afraid of jumping out of an airplane and you do it and then you do it again and you do it again, maybe even after the fifth time, you're still going to be afraid. But how will you feel after the 50th time? You'll be blasé about it. So, you know, getting sober can give you the focus to say, okay, this is a problem in my life. I'm going to deal with it. And because you've got more energy, more intellect, more passion, you can you can persist a bit longer. When you're drinking, it's just so easy to go, oh, no, I'll just have a drink instead. Do you see what I mean? So good luck. <laughs> um, 
Let's have a look. Uh, Chrissy, I can't join the live. Are you talking about Sunday, Chrissy? Um, I can't join the live, but will there be a recording to catch up if I sign up? Chrissy, sign up for Sunday. If you miss it, the system will recognize that you missed it and it will send you a recording by email, okay? So don't worry about that. Uh, Long White Con, watching Craig and my kids. Yeah, watching Craig and my kids give me power to deal with the temptations. Okay. Um, what else we got here? Hema, I'm on day 67. I thought I was doing great, but now I miss booze again. I always drank when I was happy. Okay. It's a, it's a classic story, Hema, because you're now... What this says to me is that you quit drinking and you used a painful event or a series of painful events as the reason for you to stop drinking. You used the pain of drinking as your leverage to quit drinking. And then the more you move away from that pain, the more it fades into the background, the more it becomes less colorful, less bright, less emotive. You can't feel it as intensely. It becomes a, a distant memory, it becomes black and white and kind of faded out and washed. And in the same way as that weakens, your leverage on the situation weakens as well. What this tells me is that you used fear as your leverage to escape alcohol, but underneath that, you still believe that there is a benefit to drinking alcohol. So here's the challenge for you, Hema. What are you missing? What's the benefit of alcohol that you wish you still had? Tell me in the comments. Um, I'm not even going to attempt that name. <laughs> Hi, Craig. Love your work. Been sober exactly two years, four months, never going back to the filth ever again. Love your work. Fantastic. Um, RV man, hit that like. That's how you thank Craig. Now, go. He's my cheerleader. And he's right. Hit the like button. It does help me out. Uh Leave use. I replaced whiskey with running and it's actually working. When I get stressed, I find I'm now craving a run rather than a drink. Yeah, because your subconscious mind goes, all right, how does Lee deal with stress? He goes running. And eventually it'll become automatic. The human mind, it can be conditioned to anything. It can be conditioned to do completely hostile negative things to itself. And equally, it can be conditioned to do pleasant, good, healthy things to itself. You know, if, if you, you and me spent time together, like I'm talking months, and every single time you smiled or laughed, I punched you on the arm hard. Eventually, I could punch you on the arm and you would love it. You would laugh. You'd smile. How weird is that? But that just shows how how you can get stuck into this loop of drinking poison as a solution to your problems. Weird, huh? Gloucestershire. Uh, my, my, kind of, my first ever girlfriend was from Sirencester. Met her on holiday there. Broke my heart when I had to go home. Um, let's have a look. Uh, I've been sober since January 2020 after decades of abuse. Stopping was the best thing I've done. Love your work, Rich in uh, Wolverhampton. Excellent. Uh, Emma, uh, seven days alcohol-free, thanks to your book. Really resonated with me. Good. Good to see the Ukrainian flag on your profile there as well. Shocking what Russia is doing at the moment. 
Um, Marder, seven months sober, legend, well done. Leslie, I'm surprised the other day at about 14 months, the warm spring weather really had me craving a drink. Will the cravings ever go? I was a little tempted, and you mentioned 14 months as a trigger. Yeah, 12 to 14 months is is seems to be a trigger point. Um, I think it's because you kind of you're starting, you know, you you're going through uh, the routine of another year. You've got events happening that happened before, but you were closer to quitting before, so you had more of that momentum now you've lost that momentum because being sober after one year it's not so special anymore is it it's 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 just what happens every day you know if if you ate i don't know fried eggs every day for a year how would you feel about eating fried eggs on the 365th day you'd be like yeah whatever so it's not so present in your mind and so you go into these situations where you probably spent decades drinking alcohol in these situations and it triggers kind of old memories and you're also thinking well you know i did a year sober and it wasn't that hard didn't really challenge me it was pretty easy actually so you know maybe just one drink and that's where the trapdoor is leslie that yeah, you know it's probably all right just one drink that's you're it's going to take you months to dig your way out of that problem that you create for yourself. And it's just not worth it. It seems innocent, you know, just one drink. But it's not just one drink. That glass that you look at thinking, shall I drink it? It's 14 days of torture from the evil clown. It's 14 days of anxiety, jittery, like on edge, thinking, oh, I could do with a drink. And then it's, it's up to months of beating yourself up, feeling guilty, feeling like a terrible person, feeling like you failed before you get back on the straight and narrow. Think about it. Is that really worth it? That one glass? The answer is no, isn't it? Hey, Craig. This is Josh Murdoch. Uh, saved my life. Two liver transplants later. I'm still on the right side of the ground. Thank you. Thanks to you. Wow. Two liver transplants. That's pretty hardcore. Um. Paul, I've been following you for some time and I feel you are very inspirational, onwards and upwards. I'm still trying to quit drinking, though. Paul, attend the webinar Sunday, all right? Uh, Mohammed, uh, hi, Craig. Thanks, your, thanks for all your hard work helping us. I call alcohol my dark passenger, <laughs> like in Dexter, yeah? yeah? It's a killer, always lurking to pounce. Yeah. The only problem is, Mohammed, is that your serial killer only wants to kill you. And that's his only mission. That's that's his goal, is to kill you. And he wants to do it as slowly and as painfully as possible. So keep fighting, uh, because you know what happened to Dexter in the end, don't you? Rob Woods, ever thought of having a retreat of some kind on the island of Cyprus? Yes, Rob. Um, I just, it would be very expensive. Um I, I did think about doing like a week-long retreat here where we, you know, I'll spend a week with people. Uh, we'll even go out on my boat and we'll do like sobriety days out on the boat. We'll do the course. We'll do a boot camp uh, and we'll go out for meals and we'll explore kind of living sober. Uh, but, of course, you would have to fly to Cyprus. And for people watching around the world in America or uh, Australia, 
there are no direct flights here to Cyprus. We you know we're a tiny island off the coast of Turkey, off the coast of Greece. So you'd have to fly probably to London, change planes, and then come out to Cyprus. So it'd be it'd be very expensive in flights. But you tell me, is that something that people will be prepared to pay for? Um, and we'll try and work out how to do it. Theo. Sober now for 73 days after heavy drinking for 20 years. Excellent. Was diagnosed for autism. Do you think it's possible I drank because of autism? Um, have no medicine. Well, it depends, uh, Theo. Um, was your autism causing you problems? Uh, was it making you unhappy? Was it making you miserable? Um, I'm guessing what most people say when they get an autism diagnosis is they're like, oh, that explains so much. All of those things about me that I thought was a bit a bit weird and a bit off, actually, it's because it's not because I'm weird. It's because I have autism. I have this, and so if this has been something that's caused you pain, then yes, you could have alco used alcohol to cover it up. Because, like I've said many times, ninety nine percent of the people who come to my website, the alcohol is not the problem. It's just a symptom of the problem. They're trying to cover up something else with a mild anesthetic. And initially it works. You know, before you're in the loop, it does help, you know, whatever situation you're trying to deal with. But then it's got you. And it's just going to pull you down deeper and deeper. And eventually, the more you keep using alcohol to deal with your problem, is you find out that the problems alcohol's creating get bigger than the problem you started with. And you end up in a vicious cycle. But absolutely, could be. Um, yeah, Joe Kravitz, Rob Woods. Yes, I would go to that, Craig Beck. Okay. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for me. Um, all right, we, we need to brainstorm this. Um, I, just, I just don't know how many people would be interested in traveling thousands of miles to spend a week um, doing like a, a super intensive quit drinking boot camp. Let me know in the comments if you would be interested in that. Mada, I understand that our brains are hardwired after a long time of abuse, like you just said. People don't think they can change and just accept their uh, desire, is that supposed to be? Uh, change is not comfortable or easy by any means, but we're all capable of change. Yeah, absolutely true, matter. You know, people want to stay in their comfort zone, don't they? Um, and as they say, the comfort zone is its a warm and comfortable place. It's beautiful, soft and relaxing, and you're perfectly safe. But your comfort zone is barren. Nothing grows there. Nothing grows. Everything stays the same. And if your life is mediocre, it will stay mediocre. The only way you grow and improve as a human being, the only way you get the life that you want to live is by walking up to the walls of your comfort zone, seeing all the warning signs saying, danger, do not cross, danger, 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 ignoring them and walking through. And then when you get through to the other side and it feels uncomfortable and awful and horrible, you keep working at it until it becomes comfortable again. And then you repeat the process. You walk up to the wall that is now formed on the new boundary you ignore all the warning signs and you walk through and you keep doing that. You keep pushing yourself into states of being uncomfortable. That's the only way you start to live your best life. 
Kelly's going on this cruise with her husband and another couple. Wine tasting at a chateau is included one day. Tours every day. Truffle hunting market tour in the evenings. But it's the evenings I'm concerned about. Yeah. Do you have to go on the wine tasting? Is there not anything else you can do? That's, you know, that sounds like an antisocial thing to say, but think about it. And you know what I always say, don't you, Kelly? Change the drug. <laughs> I mean, imagine you've, you know, you've just given up cocaine and you're uh, off on vacation with your husband and he says, oh, they've got a cocaine tasting session this weekend. Should we go? You'd say, absolutely not, wouldn't you? You'd say, don't be ridiculous. I no way. So your mentality should be the same. You know, you don't have to be antisocial, but there are some things that, you know, you're just making your life difficult. You know, there's a very good saying uh, that says, if you know, if you don't want to get a haircut, don't hang around the barber shop. Because if you hang around the barber shop, eventually you'll get a haircut. Joe says, fall in love with sobriety. Best quote ever, because it's true. I agree. Uh, Raheem, six weeks and counting. Nearly a stone down. Fantastic. And yeah, I've blacked out so many times that I got fed up with forgetting what I did, uh, forgetting what I did the night before. That's horrible, isn't it? And you, you don't know there's a part of your life missing and you have no idea what happened in it. And you know, um, I was listening to a guy on the on the radio this morning, and he, he um, was just living his life and had a few drinks, got into a fight uh, in a bar, did the guy some serious harm, ended up in prison for two years. He said one one day he was you know a wealthy, successful individual, just going about his family life, looking after his wife and his children, going to work. And then one event that took 30 seconds because he wasn't thinking straight because of alcohol, just one event in his life completely destroyed and turned his whole life upside down. He lost his job. He went to prison for two years. His family moved to a different town. It, it, his whole life just exploded because of one event. So, you know, don't listen to the, the marketing that suggests that this is just a harmless social pleasantry. It's not. This stuff has the power to destroy your world. And it'll do it slowly or quickly, but you'll never find out until it's already happened. Kingsbury. Vicky's in Kingsbury. Um, it sounds posh, doesn't it, Kingsbury? Sounds like, yeah. Do you live in a mansion, Vicky? <laughs> um, I love your webinars. Watch all your YouTube videos. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> let's see what else we got here. That's uh, Bourneville. Anytime I get triggered, I think, why am I trying to escape reality? Is this a long-term solution? How will you feel after a few hours of drinking? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, The 51 Project, 
I used the online course and was no problem for 18 months, but hit that hiccup in the middle of the Australian lockdown. Uh, that 18 month point, a lot of stress back on the course again. Great. Do the course again and add something extra in as well. Just keep layering on extra stuff because when you fall off the wagon and you go back to do the course, the clown has a little bit of an extra argument. You know, the, that little voice in your head can say to you, why are you doing this? Didn't work last time, did it? Only lasted 18 months. So you're going to fail again. So just to counterbalance that, just add one more thing in. It could be that you just, you know, you read another book that gives you a different angle on this. Another highly rated, respected book like Alcohol Explained or uh, Kick the Drink or something like that. Just, just to put one extra element in to, to balance it out again. Uh, okay. No, that's not what I was looking for. Let's have a look. Uh, El Ali. Hi, Craig. 17 days sober, feeling good. I already see many benefits. I went to a festival last Saturday, my 13th day sober, and was not even tempted to drink. Excellent. And doesn't it feel good when you get home sober? And you wake up in the morning and you think about the great day you had yesterday and then you go, oh, and I didn't have any alcohol either. Great feeling. Uh, I have many issues I need to work on. Hey, don't we all? But the fact is, you, you know, you're working on them. What more can you do? Mark, howdy from Oklahoma. 17 days into your course and life is getting better. Still having a difficult time sleeping. Very common uh, complaint, that, Mark. Um, you've got to find, you see, you've conditioned your body to go to sleep with an anesthetic. It's, it's like Michael Jackson. You know, Michael Jackson couldn't go to sleep without being given a general anesthetic. And that's how he died in the end. You know, he, because he had the money to do it, he would pay a doctor to come around to his house every night and inject him with a general anesthetic. I mean, crazy. But he'd done it so long that it, it became impossible for him to sleep without an anesthetic. And you've kind of done the same thing to yourself, but on a milder version of it. So you just got to get into that new cycle of going to sleep without alcohol. Uh, and maybe you need a little bit of help initially. Um, I don't mean ring Michael Jackson's doctor. <laughs> Is he in prison? He should be. Um, Maybe 5-HTP if it's legal uh, in your country and you check the um, interactions with other drugs because it does cause some problems. But 5-HTP on a night with a sugary drink like hot chocolate or something like that is quite good. 5-HTP uh, is short for 5-hydroxytryptophan and it is the precursor chemical for your body to make melatonin. So if you have this in your body, your body will make a lot of melatonin, which helps with sleep. And it's accelerated by the sugar you drink. So do some research into 5-HTP, or you can try melatonin tablets. Uh, you can get those from your doctor or over-the-counter from pharmacies in various parts of the world. Um, or you can use some like nitol things on the short term. But again, you need to ask a pharmacist for advice on that. Uh, Emily... 
Hi, Craig. Been sober four months now. I'm calmer about everything in my life. Not again, not getting so upset easily as I did when I was drinking. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, okay. Hima was commenting earlier, and I said, "What you know?" And Hima was saying that uh, they, they missed. They've started to miss drinking, and I said, "Well, what do you miss about it? What's the benefit you're missing out on?" Here is the answer. Thanks, Craig. What I miss is the feeling of euphoria, putting myself in a high mood. I'm going to have the house to myself for three weeks soon, and the evil clown is telling me that this is a great opportunity. Okay, but the euphoria. The euphoria is very brief. It's, you know, it's it's not like you drink and then you stay constantly in that 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 state, is it? It, it descends into something bad at the end. It's just a brief reward. It's carrot and stick, isn't it? You know, you feel uncomfortable and you drink alcohol, and the alcohol then removes the sensation of discomfort. So a lot of the time, it's not euphoria. It's just noticing the difference between where you were and where you've got to. Do you see what I mean? It's like, I seem to be using a lot of violent analogies today, but, you know, if I was, if I was with you and I was beatingly, beating, you know, I was punching you constantly and I was doing it for a long time, I was punching you and 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 punching you. And punching you. When I stopped, it would feel great, wouldn't it? It would feel good. But that's not that. That's not because something great happened. It's just you're noticing the difference between being punched and stopping, and that's what you're doing with with alcohol. Really, you, you know, you you're getting this little lift, but it's only because it's removing uh, an awkward, anxious feeling that the alcohol put there in the first place. So, you know, and the answer, you know. To people who say, I drink because I like the buzz, I like the euphoria, you know, what I always say to people is, well, if, if that's your reason for drinking, then why are you choosing such a poor chemical to do it? There are so many better things that create a much higher sensation of euphoria and a bigger buzz than alcohol. It's a really poor catalyst for that. Why don't you use heroin? You know, why don't you use acid or LSD or something? And you might think, well, Craig, this is ridiculous. How can you be promoting those? I'm not promoting them. I'm just saying, you know, if that's your reason for doing it, then why are you using such a poor chemical for the job? Use a better chemical. And the answer, of course, the reason you don't use heroin or LSD is because you understand that any sort of perceived benefit is massively outweighed by the huge, dramatic negatives that come with it. And if you still think that the euphoria of alcohol is, is worth it, then you don't quite have your programming set right yet. And you need to do some more work on that. Uh, if you haven't done it, do the course, because I think that would help. Uh, <laughs> Paul Briggs, who runs a pub, would you believe? Paul the Publican, a day closer. Uh, I guess you're aiming to not be a publican here. Two and a half years going strong. Thank you, team. I used to have a boss that called everyone team because he didn't, he couldn't remember anyone's name. So he called everyone in the business team. Ah, team. Good morning. Oh, you've got team with you. Um, well done. Seven and a half months sober for unique challenges. 
longest time I've ever been sober consecutively. You are a superstar. Well done. Keep going. Um, El Ali, I said to someone that I don't drink now because I don't like how it makes me feel. And the answer was, yeah, but you need to drink the right stuff. I thought of you. Yeah. Because there's a, you know, if you, if you, if you drink the good stuff, you know, then it doesn't destroy your liver. That's never happened. Nobody's ever been taken into hospital with liver failure and they've, the surgeons cut them open and gone, oh, thank God. They've been, they've been drinking all the good quality Bordeaux. This is going to be an easy operation. There's no difference once it's inside you. Um, uh, hi, Chris. Uh, yes, I got your email. Sorry, it's in my inbox to reply to. I'll get back to you today, I promise. Um, Kathy A, you're a godsend, Craig. You truly are. Tell my wife that, Kathy. Um, Mick, uh, you're talking about week-long boot camps in Cyprus. Something I would consider, if anything, just to shake your hand and buy you a coffee. Come over to Cyprus, Mick. It's only four hours from... Uh, in fact, my, my, my folks are flying from Newcastle Airport uh, today with Jet 2 coming out for two weeks. It's pretty cheap at the moment. I think it's like 80... 80 pound for a flight. Um, Raheem said, I'd travel from uh, Cardiff to Cyprus. Okay, good, good. Why don't you have one in the US like New York? Well, I used to do boot camps in um, the US uh, DP. I used to do a lot. I was in Nashville, San Francisco, Chicago, New York. Um we did them all over the place, but then the pandemic hit and it just kind of stopped. Um, we were planning one in Las Vegas uh, and that was for March, 2020, I think. And you know what happened then? So we did, but um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's expensive for a lot of people to get to the U S for, it's expensive for me to get there and stay for a week. You know, to do to do an extended boot camp. I used to just do one day ones in the United States. We'll do them again when things are hundred percent back to normal. Uh, yeah, Jenny, boot camps. Um, we will do them again. Um, pandemic just shook everything up. Really, I've got some um, things here in Cyprus that I, I actively need to be here for. Um, that I put in place when the pande pandemic happened, really more than anything for something to do. Uh, so I've committed to looking after these things in Cyprus, uh, these business interests. So uh, I can't really look at it for the next couple of months, but we'll try and get them back on the, on the road again. Joe, absolutely, 100%, no doubt, would be interested in a boot camp in Cyprus. I travel to Europe regularly as my relatives live in Germany and Italy. Please consider doing a boot camp in Cyprus. <laughs> okay. I will have a think about the logistics of it and see how we can do it. Um, let's have a look. <laughs> Oklahoma. I know I would like a reason to go to Cyprus. Uh, Chris, I would certainly consider a week's boot camp in Cyprus. Okay, I'm getting a feeling for this now. Uh, let's... 
I'm not ready to quit drinking as I'm battling other addictions. I've been clean off class A drugs for almost seven months now. I've had one slip up, but still in check. Unfortunately, my drinking has increased a lot. Can you help me with any advice to cut back? It almost feels like I switched my cocaine addiction for alcohol. Yeah, it's very common. It's very common. Um, and we've talked about this a lot, Marta, because I'd say the number one reason that people relapse from alcohol is because they don't deal with the reason why they were drinking in the first place. And this is why I think this is such a tricky drug because you go to your doctor and say, I'm worried about my drinking. The doctor doesn't, well, generally a doctor won't be so on this that they'll go, okay, Tell me about why you're drinking. What's underneath the drinking? They'll just say, okay, here's the problem. He's drinking too much. What can we do? And they'll treat the drinking. And the goal of the doctor here is to get you to stop drinking. And that's it. That's the end of the story. You know, and a lot of, you go to AA and they say, right, you've got to stop drinking. That's the end of the story. But the problem is, for you, you've been using alcohol to deal with the problem. And while it's a bit of a blunt instrument and, you know, the negatives far outweigh the positives, it's still your only solution to your problem. And so if anyone comes up to you and says, right, you're not allowed to drink anymore. Let me take that off you. Then great, you're sober. But now you've got a problem without a solution. And unless you address that, you're going to go looking for something to take the pain away, aren't you? And that sounds like to me you've been using class A drugs, cocaine, to deal with this pain in your life, this thing that's making you miserable, and you've taken that away, but you still feel pain, you're still miserable. And so you're using alcohol to sedate yourself, to, to numb yourself against the pain. You've got to get these substances out of your life and then immediately get started on understanding and making peace with what caused the pain. Maybe you know, maybe you know why you're trying to escape reality. Maybe there's some trauma in your past that you haven't dealt with. Or maybe you don't know, and you need to go on a fishing trip to find out. But you've got to deal with the, the pain underneath. You've got to release it and let it out. Because somewhere in the past, you will have repressed it and buried it. And the problem is, when you bury these demons, they don't die. They just mutate and turn into other things. So that's really important. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Jim, I stopped drinking four years ago, but I'd still come to Cyprus for the boat ride. <laughs> Jim's been to like six boot camps, haven't you? How many, how many boot camps have you been to, Jim? It's a crazy number, isn't it? Uh, no, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. Maceno Alenica. But uh, I'm learning Greek, but it's it's difficult. All right, we're going to wrap up soon because we've done over an hour. Oh, we're approaching an hour now. Let's just say hello to a few more people. Uh, Stephen D, I'm buying the course today. I was watching your video about a month ago. Said I would do it then, but didn't go through. I'm tired of stopping and then starting again. Yeah. You know what they say, Stephen, the best time to stop drinking? Ten years ago. The next best time? Now, and we all tell ourselves, oh, you know, I don't need a course. I can do this on my own. But you'll tell yourself that for years. 
The only way you get out of quicksand is for someone else to come along, reach out a, a, a hand to you and say, let me pull you out. The more you struggle and kick on your own, the deeper, the quicker you sink. Hi to Nick. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for all your comments on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Ali likes laughing at my stories of the stupidity of my drinking. I did a lot of stupid things. A lot of stupid things. Um, who we're we missing here? Anyone with? <laughs> Mix booked his flight to Cyprus. <laughs> I'll wear a flower at the airport, Mick, so you recognize me. Uh, would Zoom boot camps work? You know what? I hate boot. I hate these seminars and conferences that are on Zoom. I used to go to lots of conferences, uh, like digital marketing conferences in the states, and they were they were like sixteen hour conferences. But I used to go because I used to like to visit new parts of the world. You know, if I saw that it was a conference on in Nashville, I love Nashville. So I'd go to the conference. But the last thing I want to do is sit in front of my computer for 16 hours and do it virtually. That sounds like hell on earth for everyone, for the presenters, for the people attending. No, nah. I don't mind, you know, doing the webinars and these live streams, but I don't want to do six hours of talking into a Zoom camera. No, thank you. Um, Paul, have you and Kevin O'Hara made contact yet? You know what? I can't find any contact details for him. I've been to his website uh, to try and email him. I can't find any email address. He's he's like the Scarlet Pimpernel. I can't I can't find him. Uh, Lindsay, I would fly to Cyprus all the way from Missouri. Creating a healthy lifestyle is all that lasts to me now. Okay, well maybe we'll do something. Who are we going to give the last word to? Uh, we're going to give it to Oklahoma. I've been going to AA and I'm not digging it. I really feel your route is better, uh, better fits me. Good. Thank you very much. All right, folks. Thanks a lot for being here. Uh, see you the same time next week for another live stream. Please try and make it because I think it's really helpful to us all. If we're all here just once a week, it's our little meeting where we get together. Uh, and thanks a lot. And congratulations on your sobriety and congratulations on taking action if you have not yet achieved sobriety, but have at least taken the first step. Thanks a lot. And I will see you soon. Let's hear a little bit from the legend that is me. Discover the world's most successful and respected online quit drinking program today. It's different to anything you can find out there. And it gives you real mental freedom from the clutches of alcohol. Break back helps you understand what alcohol does to you, how it works. I always recommend it to anybody. It's just so worth it. Why did I waste all those years? Are you finally ready to take action? Your sober journey begins 11 a.m. Sunday. Reserve your space at my next free quit drinking webinar.